Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us this week. This week's episode is a sermon titled Promised Land, taught by Pastor Chris Schuster. Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. See, I don't know if I can have somebody back there to run some scriptures for me, Michael, if Rachel's still back there. That would be amazing at some point just to have that too, but awesome. How is everyone doing? Heard some goods. Any other responses out there other than good? Anybody else? That's really good. Anybody else doing okay? Sweet. Sweet. How about the weather? This is the one time of year you can talk about the weather. It's not small talk because it's one of the greatest things happening right now in our world, isn't it? Fall weather. There's more sweaters in here today, some scarves even, more facial hair. (laughs) staying warm out there in the wind. I love it. For me, I love this weather because I can wear a t-shirt and shorts and not sweat. So, is anybody else like me? Like the cool for that reason? Come on. Me too. Me too. That's amazing. Well, good. Let's chat. (laughs) I just like this church. I do. I love, 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 love this. I wish we could have just a coffee table in the middle and just all sit around a little coffee table, but this is amazing. I might pray a bunch of times up here today, okay? So get ready. Let's pray and ask the Lord just to lead um, this word and and lead our next few minutes together. God, thank you so much for um, what you're doing in this house, Lord, what you're doing in every life in this place, God. Uh, we, We just recognize that you are at the move. You're on the move today, Lord God, and Um, We say yes to whatever your Holy Spirit wants to do right now, Lord God. We just honor you in this place. Father, we um, exalt you as the King, Jesus, who's seated on the throne. Um, And Jesus, we just say welcome into this place. Welcome into our hearts today. Welcome into these temples today, Lord. Welcome into your house today, Father. Come and fill every part of us, Lord. I pray that you would fill our minds this morning, fill our hearts, fill our bodies, Lord God. I pray for any need, God, in this place that it would be met this morning, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that um, your word would just be illuminated this morning to us, God, that we would have revelation by the power of your Holy Spirit of your word, God. We'd have new understanding. We would have new insight, Lord, um, into what your word this morning means for us today. So, Jesus, give us clarity, and I thank you, Father, for every person here. Uh, I just pray that you would begin to bless people in this room, God. Let your Holy Spirit begin just to release hope and release joy in this place, Father, um, even as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's open the word. We are in Acts and Exodus today. Whoa, the notes come flying out. Acts and Exodus. Whoa, here they really go. Okay, careful, Chris. <laughs> I don't know if I preached from this Bible before. I think I have. This was like my, oh my gosh. <laughs> if I knew where I was going, I don't anymore. Um, this was like my very first Bible, I think. So I'm reading from NIV. It had some really great graphics. Oh, this is hilarious, and it's kind of confirmation to me. I never knew this. As I was praying this week, I was looking through Acts and studying And I couldn't quite settle on it, and I felt led actually to go back to Exodus, because we've been reading in discipleship school, we were reading through the Bible in a nine-month plan. So I went to Exodus, and I felt stirred to preach out of Exodus. This makes me laugh, if this is not the Holy Spirit. I never saw this till right now. This Bible's full of illustrations. The illustration on the back is crossing the sea, Exodus 13, 17 through 14, 31, and that's where we are today, actually. That is hilarious. Some of you think I'm lying, and I'm not lying. I didn't plan that. That's hilarious. (laughs) 
I love it. Have faith. You have little faith. Just kidding. Believe me, I had no idea. That's actually really, really awesome and a confirmation to me again. So I'm, I'm reading Exodus to study, and I felt like, God, I'm still torn between Acts and Exodus. So I continued reading in Acts. When I got to Acts chapter 7, it's amazing because Stephen, who was ultimately stoned, does a recap of the story of Exodus. So I was like, okay, God, you're speaking loudly that we're to be in Exodus today. And I believe God wants to teach us today out of the Israelite story of the Exodus out of Egypt. So I'm really excited about this. Um, and just to dig into this, we are going to start in Acts chapter 7, just to read a little bit of Stephen's recap. Um, so we're Acts chapter 7, Rachel. Now, why does this message matter? It matters to me, and I think it would matter to you, because as we read the story of the Israelites and hear about their captivity in Egypt, as well as their process out of captivity through the wilderness into the promised land, I have a feeling there are people in here like me who still have areas of your life that you're either living in Egypt in that area or you're in a wilderness journey and you're still on the way to the promised land. So that's why I felt so strongly this message this morning and I believe God's going to speak to us out of it. Capiche? Sweet. Acts 7, I want to start in verse 17. I'm going to breeze through this just to give us a backdrop. Um, there's so much more to dig into this, but a quick backdrop of where we're going. Acts 7, starting in verse 17. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. He's talking about Israel. Then another king who knew nothing about Joseph became ruler of Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. So the Pharaoh's being very wicked towards the people of Israel. Verse 20, at that time Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for in his father's house. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. I'm going to jump down to verse 30. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to look more closely, he heard the Lord's voice. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. So what's happening at this time, we're going to flip to Exodus, is the Israelites are in captivity in the land of Egypt. Their slave masters, the Egyptians, are driving them so hard, forcing them to work for them, increasing their labor and not increasing their pay. It's a serious level of oppression. We even read in Acts 7 that at one point all of the, fir all of the boys under two, I believe it was, were killed. So all of the Israelite boys who were being born who were under two were being killed. Not cool. So that's the type of oppression that the Israelites had been living in. Flip with me to Exodus 13. This is hysterical to me. Literally, we're starting. My notes are Exodus 13, verse 17 and 18. That's exactly where this reference was, which is, I still, wow. Thank you, Lord. Um, so good. Exodus 13, verses 17 and 18. Now, there had been many, many plagues inflicted on the Egyptians. Do you remember this? 
boils, locusts, flies. Can you imagine a plague of even just flies? They said everything was covered with flies in the homes, in the... Or how about frogs? Oh my gosh, you open the toilet, right? Like everywhere frogs, open the dishwasher, like covered, locusts, terrible. After all these plagues, Pharaoh's heart was still hard. And the word even tells us that God was hardening Pharaoh's heart. So interesting. God was hardening Pharaoh's heart. Ultimately, the final plague that finally kind of breaks the camel's back is all of the firstborn sons of Egypt, even the firstborn livestock, are killed. So we pick up in Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. So finally, Pharaoh relents and says, Moses, we've had enough. You can go. And Moses had tried to bargain. I'm sorry, Pharaoh had tried to bargain with Moses multiple times. Like, how about you let the men go and we'll keep the women and children. Moses is like, no, that's not the word of the Lord. You've got to let all the people go so that they can worship the Lord and sacrifice offerings to him. So finally, Moses or Pharaoh relents and allows the people to go. Exodus 14, this is our primary text. Are you ready, Rach? Exodus 14, starting in verse 1. As we read this, I want you to think about your oppressors, okay? I want you to think about things that are holding you captive. We're not necessarily talking about a people group oppressing you, but what is it in your life or what areas of your life are still being held captive that you haven't received freedom in yet? Exodus 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord." So the Israelites did this. Let me highlight verse 4. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, but God says, I will gain glory through this. If you're in a wilderness right now, God's ultimate goal is to gain glory through your wilderness. And until we realize that, we're going to fight the wilderness. And worse yet, we're going to do what the Israelites wanted to do, which was just go back to Egypt where it was easier. Do you realize that sometimes captivity is easier than the way out? Sometimes it's easier to stay broken. It's easier to stay captive than it is to walk through the wilderness to the promised land. Does that make sense? And God's saying, once you've made it to that wilderness place, you're better off than you were in Egypt. It might feel worse. It might feel harder. But I'm going to gain glory through this struggle and through this pain. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled... Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. This is crazy. So Pharaoh finally gives up after all the firstborn in Egypt are killed. Pharaoh finally gives up and says, take your people away. We don't want any more pain in our nation. The Israelites are freed. God hardens Pharaoh's heart again. This could look like 
the worst for the Israelites. Oh no, Pharaoh and his armies are coming after us again. It says in that verse 5, Pharaoh and the Egyptians only wanted the Israelites for their services. Do you realize that when the enemy holds you captive in a place, even things that feel like just a comfort to you, the enemy has nothing good in mind for you. He just wants your life for your services. He wants your life for what you can do for him. He wants to use you like a tool. The enemy has nothing in in mind of good for you. Let's pick up verse 6. So Pharaoh had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I know some of us in this place are in that exact place right now of a wilderness in an area of your life where you're saying, God, it's so much better and easier for me just to stay stuck than to process, than to walk through, than to deal with this. Why couldn't I have just continued in my slavery? To this thing. It's easier. It feels better. It feels more natural. I was thinking about life and even about just learning and walking through life and walking through process. I know sometimes we see life kind of, you know, said like you have a mountaintop experience, you come down to a valley, you climb the mountain, have another mountaintop experience, you climb a valley. I was kind of thinking about life in more like a circular pattern. And it's interesting. I believe. The Israelites in this place, they had been in this low for so long. When finally, it's like Moses appears, Pharaoh finally releases them. They are at the top of the circle. Does that make sense? Here's them trying to get from here to the promised land. So they've gone through this cycle, struggle, struggle, oppression, oppression. They finally climbed their way to the top. And at this moment, here's where they're trying to get to. Pharaoh comes after them again. Their fear and their struggle starts bringing them around the cycle again. In this cycle, from here, point A to point B, as you're climbing, you hit that peak, you feel great. As you start descending back into a new struggle, do you realize how they're actually feeling farther from the promised land than they were before? They had climbed closer to the promised land, hit a high, and now here comes Pharaoh after them again. They're feeling like, Moses, why did you do this? They could have said right there, we're just going back to Egypt. It's game over. But in order for them to make it over here to the promised land, and you'll see this as you read through Exodus, they had to go through a cycle of ups and downs, ups and downs, highs and lows, until ultimately one day they reach that promised land. So kind of in this cyclical way of life that God uses to teach us and that process, we need to just embrace the fact that we're going to be challenged and that we're going to have moments of feeling like, I'm, I'm moving away from your promise, Lord. But as we embrace his process and trust, we'll ultimately end up in that promised land. Let's pick up in verse 12. 
Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. I love this message from Moses. And if you read through this, Moses is God's spokesperson. So these are ultimately the words of the Lord for the Israelites. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, your oppressors, the things that hold you back, you will never see again. I love verse 15, or 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. These are my biggest, oh, I love this. You need only to be still. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Be still. And watch as the Lord moves your battle. I want to share with you a little bit, briefly, about a wilderness experience that I had almost two years ago. This was honestly probably the lowest point in my life. And it happened on November 26th, 2016. I've maybe made reference to this experience, but I just want to share a little bit deeper about what was going on. November 26th. It was the Sunday evening right after Thanksgiving break. I was, oh man, a year into teaching at my dream teaching job. Dream teaching job. It was the place I had dreamed of teaching, the program I had grown up in. I was loving it, or I should have been. Thanksgiving happened, great time with family. I had every reason just to be full of joy, full of life. The weekend ended, Sunday came. I'm sure I had a great service. I probably was leading worship that morning. Great time at church. That evening, as I'm back at home, everything was going right for me. I just moved in earlier that year into a new house, new to me, a beautiful home. It seemed like I had everything, and I wasn't aware at what was coming in my heart and what God was about to do. So that Sunday night, I am about to get ready for bed, start brushing my teeth. I'm thinking about the next work day. I'm back to school. And as I get up from my couch to walk into my room to brush my teeth, I have this urge deep down like, oh, Lord, like I'm about to cry and I don't know why. Like, I'm about to lose it. And in that moment, I remember I just walked through it and I said, like, God, whatever this is, I don't have time to deal with it because this is too big and I have to go back to work and be on my game tomorrow. So I'm not doing this right now. I took a few more steps towards the bathroom and I could not control it. It's like, it just, I lost it. I totally lost it. And honestly, I went into about an hour of crying, praying, desperation, and it's not like the joy of the Lord tears at this point. Are you grasping this? This was like heavy sorrow. And I didn't know why. What I did know was when I finally allowed the Lord to break me like that, I heard his voice say, Chris, you need to stop being a victim. That felt a little bit harsh, but it was the truth. And I didn't even know it. There were areas of my life where I had felt people had failed me, people had abandoned me, life had changed so fast, 
Some of you, even in your late college or po- you know, post-college, you might relate to this a little bit. Life changes so fast, and sometimes it's hard to process and even deal with, like, wow, all of a sudden my entire world's changed, my, my friends have changed again, my, everything shifted. And God began to show me, Chris, you've been taking on the mentality of a victim and walking like a victim. You didn't even know it. So in that hour of crying, and I'd think I was done, I'd get up to brush my teeth again, and it would hit again. And I just processed and prayed and cried, and it was not fun at all. Um, And that night, about 8.30, I sent a message to my parents, and this is what the message said. Mom and Dad, please pray for me tonight if you think of it. I'm really struggling finding purpose in anything these days. And I'm very serious about this. I was at such a low place that I don't know what it's like to struggle with depression. But if you do, I just want to encourage you, God's not going to leave you there. That was such a low place for me. And I knew it had been a decline. I just didn't realize it. And all the while, I'm serving in church, and I thought things were fine, and I thought my heart was, was good, but God began to reveal to me areas of hurt and loneliness. So I just want to encourage you right now, even if you find yourself in a place of that sort of desperation and deep despair, that God's not going to leave you there. He's going to draw you out of that. So I send that to my parents. I'm struggling finding purpose in anything. My dad, I love this, he replies, he says, can we talk tonight, Chris? Before I could reply, he sent another message that said, or even get together, and I'm like, oh boy. So I sent back to my, my parents, who I love so much, sure thing, want to come over? I've been praying and crying for an hour. So it was real, okay? <laughs> this, the struggle was real, and here I go, I'm letting my parents in on my struggle. My, I'm like, really? This is, this is how it's going to be? So they come over, and they pray with me, and they allow me just to process, and that was a turning point in my life. The next few days, they were heavy as God kept processing with me and walking through this. But what I didn't realize then was that night when I finally broke was my exodus out of Egypt. And the next week, the next month, the next month and a half was my journey through the wilderness. But what was happening was I was actually coming into my promised land. And it was not fun. The wilderness was not fun. But when I submitted to the Lord and said, you can do whatever you have to do in me, and trusted and walked through, God ultimately brought me into my promised land. I tell you what, and I specifically remember strongly, that January, so just over a month later, was the best month I had had in probably years. That's pretty wild to experience that when you think you're fine. But when God reveals your Egypt and begins to draw you out of it, get ready, because your promised land is, is, is coming. That was such a defining month for me, as I felt like, God, now I feel free. I feel alive again. I feel purpose-filled again. I feel light again. So God began to draw me back into my promised land. Um, and it's interesting, you could, oh, we could go so deep into scripture and see this, how it plays even deeper into the backstory. But if you're in the wilderness or you're in your Egypt right now, God's going to bring you out. So I just encourage you, allow God to begin to draw you out of Egypt, even if the wilderness looks scary. Even if it looks like the process is going to be hard, it's going to hurt. Allow God to draw you from Egypt towards your promised land. 
Let's stand up. I want to pray. In Numbers 13, while the Israelites are still in their wilderness, there's 12 spies who are sent into the promised land to spy things out. And most of them come back with a discouraging report. But Caleb comes back with a very positive report. And Caleb's report is this. We can take it. We can enter the land. Everyone else was discouraged, like, there's no way we can do this. But Caleb came saying, this is ours. And he remembered the promise that God had made, the place of the promised land. Let's just close our eyes, and I'm going to have you just raise your hand in a second if there's an area of your life where you feel like you're in exodus, or maybe you're even just in the wilderness on your journey, and you just want to get some prayer this morning. So, Lord, I just thank you so much for your graciousness, God, to draw us, Lord, out of the place of the oppressor, God, out of the place of bondage, out of the place of Egypt, God, where we're tied and we're stuck in areas that we don't want to be, Lord. And I thank you, God, that it's for freedom that you have set us free, Lord Jesus, that our destiny is not to sit in Egypt, God. Our destiny is not to wander for 40 years in the wilderness, Lord. But God, as we just submit and yield to you and surrender and say, God, you can do it. I'm, I'm ready to come out of Egypt, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness to draw us out of Egypt and walk us through the wilderness process, God, and into the areas of promise, Lord, of the fullness of life that's promised for us in Jesus. So if there's anybody in here right now and on your mind, you've had a thought this morning or maybe God's about to reveal an area to you where you feel like, I'm still in Egypt. I'm still bound to this. I'm still a slave to this. I'm oppressed by this. It could be just a mindset. Could be anything. Could be a sin pattern. It could be something relational that's broken with someone else. But if you feel like you're in Egypt right now or you feel like you're in the wilderness and you're struggling with like, God, it's so much easier for me just to go back to Egypt than to walk through this. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand. I, I believe there's going to be hands just everywhere. As God just wants to begin to release you into a place of greater freedom, bring you into his promise. There's no shame in that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. But why don't you just posture your heart right now just to receive from the Lord. God, I thank you so much for your love and your graciousness to us, Lord your kindness that draws us, your kindness that draws us out, Lord God, your kindness that draws us out, Father. Exodus 14, verse 15 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. God, I pray for a power right now to be released in this place to move on. God, for those who can be done crying and to move on, Lord Jesus, to forgive to release themselves, God, to forgive themselves, Father God, to forgive those who have hurt them, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord. You've given us the victory. You lead us in triumph over enemies, Father. So, God, I pray for a great power right now by the power of your Holy Spirit to be released just to move on. God, and for those who need to still be still and watch you beat their battle, God, I pray that you'd give them a grace to do that, Jesus. Give them a grace to do it, to release control to you, to trust you, Father, to do it. And God, lead us in your tender kindness, Father. 
through the wilderness and into our promise, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday services at 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.